welcome to The Last Track, where we help people showcase the last track of their life story in their final wishes. I am your host, Brian Norris, the co-owner of Bateman Funeral Home in Newport, Oregon. Just like a song can bring you back to a day, a time, and a memory, so too can a well-planned service. talk about what in Oregon there are four different things that you can do before you're dead to make decisions of what you want to have happen when you die. Now, I think I've only met one person that told me that they're not going to die. <laughs> and he was wrong. In Oregon, we talk about cremation. We talk about burial. Burial can be in the ground, or they consider burial at sea. So that's two places. You can be buried at sea, or you can be buried in the ground. There's entombment, which is also burial, but you're out of the ground and you're in a crypt. And then you can be shipped out. You want to be shipped out? Well, I've got just a long ride up there. <laughs> you can be shipped out of this, out of state, out of country, that type of thing. And those are the four things that you can choose to do in the state of Oregon. And you, and the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is let your loved ones know what you want, because I can't again tell you how many times we sit at the table and they say, I don't know if Dad wanted to be buried or cremated. And they're looking at their brother or they're looking at their sister or they're looking or they're looking at mom and mom has just lost dad and they're trying to decide what do they want to do and so what happens they always look at me and go what's more expensive (laughs) and that honestly you don't want to make you don't want that decision to be based on finances but maybe you do because Maybe you don't want to spend to have a whole lot of money spent. So you need to tell your spouse or tell your children, I want cremation or I want burial. And there's different reasons why you'd want different things. Some of them could be, you know, religious tradition. Maybe you only want burial because, well, that's what mom and dad did. And that's what grandma and grandpa did. So I want to be buried. But you didn't know that there's an option. That there's an option. I can tell you right now, my dad said I'm not going to be cremated because he was a fireman. So he has some real reasons why he doesn't want to be cremated. But there's reasons that you need to choose. And, and, I, and I'll tell you what I have to tell the families. I have to look at the family and say, if you're looking at pure dollars and cents, and that's what you're looking at, I always tell them the most expensive urn that you can possibly buy is less expensive than my cheapest casket that you can get. So really, cremation is the least expensive, and that's it it truly is. But you let your loved ones know what you want to do so that they, when they're sitting there across the table from us, they can just move right on and they don't have to sit there and agonize over that decision. So as far as once you choose 
what you want to do. Well, let's take this one step back too. When somebody passes away, our legal responsibility is, is we have to determine who is the next of kin. Who is the next of kin? One of the things that was mentioned was power of attorney. And I can't tell you how many times somebody comes in and says, I've got the power of attorney. And so I'm going to be taking care of the arrangements. She said something really key. And I thought, I wonder how many were listening. What happens to the power of attorney when you die? Okay. What if you had a durable power of attorney? And I've had people argue with me because they had different types of power of attorney. They said, this is durable. What happens? It still dies. It's gone. So that durable power of attorney is gone. And so the person that was holding it is not, by virtue of that power of attorney, the next of kin. And we have to go through some laws that we have to decide how a person is a legal next of kin. And this is really important for you to know because it starts with, as we were talking about back there, your spouse is first. Your spouse is number one, okay? If I pass away, Donna has the right and the legal responsibility to determine what to do with me. If I haven't told her, what? No. <laughs> We've been married 35 years, so. <laughs> but if I haven't told her, she's going to have to make, a, make that decision. And she may talk to our daughters and try to come up with that, but she's the legal next of kin. Okay, if you've been together for 27 years, but you're not married, it's tough because what we have to do next is say, I'm so sorry. I know you've been together for 27 years, but we need to determine whether John, let's just say John's the one that passed away. Did John have any children that are over the age of 18. So now this person that's been together for 27 years has to go to John's children that are the, over the age of 18. And they're the ones that have to make decisions. Let's say John didn't have any children. The next thing we have to do is say, well, is John's parents still around? And then if the John's parents aren't around, then we have to go a next step down and we're going to brothers and sisters. And then we start going to aunts and uncles and cousins and all that kind of stuff. If you're an executive of a will, guess where you're at? You're number eight on the list. And so if you think that, okay, in my will, I've named Bob to take care of all of my stuff, Bob's not going to be doing it because he's number eight. I've had family members come in arguing saying, I should be, okay, so if you have children and you have three children and they're all equal in the eyes of the law, so I've had children come in and say, but I'm the executor of the will, Sally can't tell you what to do. And I say, well, if you wanna do that, you're number eight on the list. And your sister's number two or number three. So that's, that's how that works, that's how that flows. And it's important to know if you don't have a spouse or if you don't have a next of kin, 
there's something called appointment of another. When you appoint somebody, it supersedes everything. It's it's it when it's good and it supersedes everything. So if you I could even say I don't want Donna to make those decisions and I can appoint my best friend and it will actually do that. Donna's saying no, but but it does that, and it's important because if you don't know, if you're not sure you have somebody that you can rely on to do what you're asking to have done, you can appoint a specific person. So let's say you have some children, and maybe they're not that good at, mo at money, and they're not that good at stuff, and, and you're not sure if they're going to take your $10,000 burial and do a $1,000 cremation. It keeps the difference. <laughs> and it has happened. I've seen it happen. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. But they can do that. You can you can have set ten thousand dollars aside to make sure that you're going to get buried because religiously that's important to you. But your kids could care less, and they take put you they, they cremate you, and they take your nine thousand dollars. So that appointment of another is important if you're not sure that your children are going to follow your wishes or whoever put in you know fill in the blank. So you started to have a question there. Okay. All right. So prearrangement. We, we touched briefly on prearrangement, and and we it's, it's one of the ways that you can make some decisions in advance. Any funeral home should be able to do it. There's a key thing you need to ask them, and this is any funeral home, not just mine, but any funeral home. You need to ask them: Is this a guaranteed? Prearrangement, because it doesn't have to be, but ask if it's guaranteed. Everything that we do with my funeral homes are guaranteed. The funds, so when you come in and you sit down and you meet with like Celeste or somebody and you say, I want to prearrange what we're going to do, and you fill it all out, you can fund it at that time, or you can just give us information and we'll keep it on file. Funding it means that you're actually paying for and you lock in all of the prices that the funeral home has control over. So the cremation rate, an urn, you know, all those things. What we can't guarantee is we don't we can't guarantee how much death certificates are going to cost, and they've gone way up in the last bit. They're now $25 a piece for certified death certificates. Yes, they are. <laughs> The filing fee is $20, but those things that we can't guarantee, we will we can put some money towards it so that that way your loved ones don't have to. You can put some funds towards it, uh, like an honorarium for a pastor or those types of things. We can we can hold those, but the, the money that we collect, we do not keep. We put it in a trust. So it goes to a trust fund, and that way it's managed, and that's for a couple of reasons. And I don't, whatever funeral home you work with, ask them where the money goes. They should only do one of two things with it. It should either go into a trust fund or it should go into an insurance policy. Those are the only two things that they should be doing if they're collecting your money. That way the money is still there if the funeral home goes belly up. You don't want to lose that fund and the money will stay there. It also, it's portable. So that way, let's say, for example, you move and you decide that you really want to live in Arizona. 
or you become a snowbird and you're here six months and you're in Arizona six months. If you pass away in another state, and we're gonna to get to this in just a second too, because that's another frequently asked question. We can, the other funeral home, if you're in, let's say you went to Phoenix, passed away in Phoenix, whatever funeral home you go to in Phoenix, they can call us and we can tell them how to get access to those funds. And so they now they don't have to guarantee those prices that we do, but at least there's those those funds that will go towards whatever the cost is where you're at. The other question that we get is if I'm traveling, what happens if I'm in Spain? I'm in Barcelona, I'm running with the bulls. <laughs> so what happens if one of those bulls get you? <laughs> so if that happens, first off, congratulations on getting there and running with the bulls. I'm sorry that for your loss. But if that happens, there is a, there is a travel protection plan that you can talk to the funeral homes about. And there's different funeral homes have them, and we have one that's an international one that we that we sell. It's not an insurance policy, it's a travel protection plan. And essentially, for if you if you do if, if what you want is a cremation, then for two ninety five, and I'm looking over here on the side of my eye to make sure I'm saying the right prices for two ninety five, you uh, it will guarantee wherever you are in the world you'll be you'll have you'll be cremated and they will ship your ashes home, and then for three ninety five, no matter where you are in the world, they will guarantee that you get um, embalmed and shipped back to be buried. Uh, or wherever you're at. So if you're from this community, we can we sell those things as well. And I'm not trying to make a push on it, but that's a question, and it's a good question. How many in here knew Gene Bateman? Gene Bateman. He oh. was the owner of the, yeah. He, he, Gene Bateman passed away when he was traveling. And that's why I bring it up, because it happens even to the best of us. <laughs> so it does happen. And so... Um, and I can't tell you because we're a destination how many people come to the coast and then they pass away here at the coast and then we have to say, make, take them back. So, all right, death certificates. Oh, yes, question. The appointment of another. Yes. Um, you know, there's, there's two possibilities with respect to my license. One is, is that one of us passes and the other one gets here to go give you the direction. The other is we're flying on an airplane someplace and we're both at the same yes. time. Yes. So it makes sense to me that my say my daughter, I give her an appointment of another. Sure. But it's also possible that my wife is going to survive me. And what happens in that circumstance? So so if if you had your wife this is really there's not a, a big reason for you and your wife to appoint one another uh, because that's going to happen the very first thing that's the very first step when you go down that hierarchy um, so in the event that you both are in a car wreck and you want to have one of your children as the appointing of taking care of your final ex you know not expensive but your final arrangements you can appoint that other person I'll let them have the expenses as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be a sad day for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Even the tax is, collector, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah, and you can you can probably I'm sure you can write into that, and you might check with an attorney. But there's that there's a kind of a set form here, and that comes directly out of ORS 97. Dot whatever 130 or something, and it, and it has to have that language in that in there, and that's just an example straight out. But if you're working with an attorney, I'm sure you could probably add a few words in there in the event of. You know, so then you can put that in the event of the demise of my spouse and I at the same time, then we appoint so and so to take care of our final arrangements. And that works. Buried on our property, Jim. <laughs> so, speaking of that, no. <laughs> we were looking to expand. <laughs> okay. And actually, there is. We do get that question of I want to be buried on my property, and you can be buried on your property, and that's a topic that we can take up a little bit later. But because there are a few things that you have to do in order to be able to be buried on your property, and we've had people do that. So, death certificates is probably the other biggest question that we get because I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting there and somebody will say, What's an average? I want to get the average. You know, it's, it's, the answer is different for everything. If you had a trust, you really only need one. If you don't, then there's going to be a number of things that we go through. There's a checklist, and in that checklist, there's a few things that we ask. And in the state of Oregon, I don't want everybody's eyes to start glossing over because, okay, this is getting late. I've had a lot to eat, and you know, it's time to go home. But in the state of Oregon, there are long forms and short forms, and those are long and short death certificates. And I'm talking about a certified death certificate, which your dollars paid $25 for each one, and it went straight to the county, and then the county distributes it to the state. In Oregon, you, there's a long form, which includes the cause of death, and then the short form, which does not have the cause of death on it, and that's because of the HIPAA laws Privacy Act, that type of thing. Banks and lawyers don't want to know why you died. The only people that really care about it is either the family, because they want to know it for heritage reasons, or life insurance companies. They need to know natural death, that type of thing, so that they can dispense the life insurance funds. They are the only ones that want to know, and that's the only reason you'd want to get a long-form death certificate. So why would you need a death certificate if you have a home that you need to have transferred and there's and your name is your names are on the title? Most title companies will at least physically need to see a certified special paper sealed death certificate, and then they may make a copy, you know, make a, a paper and then give it back to you. But it's important. You don't have to run right down there and take the name off, but when it comes time to sell the house, or if you're both gone and your kids have and they need to try to sell the house, they need to take both names off the title in order to be able to sell it. Yes, sir. When my wife's mother died a few years ago, uh -huh. uh, my wife's sister was the executive of the estate. She said, whatever you do, make sure you get 20 copies of that death certificate yes. because every paper that you work on, yep. they have to have an authentic copy. No yes. carbon copies, no photocopies. Yes, and, and, real thing. and that was absolutely true. But what's interesting is in the 
in the coming in the new era of paperless now they don't want it you used to have to have a certified death certificate to cancel your reader's digest <laughs> i can't tell you i talked with the widow with the widower one time and said i had three years of my wife's because they had it on the auto renew and they, the only way they take it get rid of it is to get a certified death certificate and he had all these readers digest stacked in his bathroom because his wife had it but he didn't want it so and, and it was very very true but but in, in today's world there's a there's a few places that don't need it as much anymore but if you if you have a home that you need to transfer and if you have a will that needs to go to probate you need to have a death certificate credit cards you know the reason that you have to have a certified and sometimes they just take it with them that you, you just you fax it to them or you scan it to them but they do need to see one because it was a big joke out there to cancel somebody to, you know just still alive well they say they're dead and then they cancel your credit card they have to know that the person's passed away in order to cancel that credit card if you're transferring a title of a car you can go down to the DMV they will take it, make a photocopy and give it back to you um, but there's a number of other things in there and to answer your question what's the average amount is in today's world it's about five to seven and that's if you have like stocks and bonds investments with Richard if you have a lot with Richard you might need more than one but it's you need to have one for your investments you need to have one for your home you need to have one for your car credit cards if you have a, a like a union pension, any type of pensions, those kinds of things, those you'll need in order to shut them off. If you're a very simple um, and you don't have all of those things, one or two usually. And if you have a trust, you really only need one for everything in that trust. Yes, sir. If I can turn in my few bit first, I want to suggest if you're the executor in particular, you get a couple of extras. Yeah. Last year, I needed one to sign off on something for my dad, and he died in 1991. Yeah, okay. So you get a couple of extras, yeah. and you keep them someplace. Yep. And, uh, it can be 30 years later. Yes. And you still need it. You, you, you have six months that you can go to our county registrar, and they can make them after six months. Then you're going to the state of Oregon and you get to make the great trip to Portland down to the Oregon building there and up to the third floor or something. And it's, it's a nightmare or you have to go, you can do them online too, but it's, it, it gets expensive too. Yeah. So just make a couple extras and it, it doesn't hurt to have a couple extras that you have on a file somewhere.